0: of difficulty when there looks as if there's no way out know that I am there says the Lord I am there to lead you to guide you into victory no matter what the circumstances around about you may be no matter what the dictates of this world may say know this that I am your victory I am the one that you can have confidence in And no matter what man may say, I say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as you follow me, I will always lead you to light. I will always lead you to wholeness. I will always take you to that place of completeness where there can be peace and fullness of joy. And so look to me and to me alone. For I, I, I am your victory, says the Lord. Trust me with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me, for I shall direct your path. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you in all things, that you'll never forsake us, that you'll never let us down. So we give you praise today in the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus the name that's above every name. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, Amen. And you can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad we're not moved by the dictates of the world? Hallelujah. Thank God for the laws of the land. But thank God there's a higher law. The kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Well, what I want to share with you today, what I want to talk with you about, and of course this is one of those sayings that you hear all the time, but I want to talk with you about being in the right place in the right time. You know, everything that God has done Um, He has a time for it. And right now, we're we're in a time period where it is so easy to get caught up in busyness. You know, I remember, well, this is 37 years ago, when I was in Bible school down at Christian Outreach School of Ministries there was a prophetic word that came out for the, um, for the instructors and so forth, for the school in general. And uh, the word was to be careful to guard yourself against the spirit of busyness. You know, you can get so busy as you lose sight of God. You know, uh, This would shock a lot of people, but you know where one of the easiest places to backslide is? In seminary. In Bible school. Because you're so busy, you don't have time for God. Or you you read your Bible because you've got to prepare your lessons. You've got to do all the things that are necessary. But I've, I've heard it from so many individuals that talk about when they've gone through Bible school through seminary, that it was one of the most difficult times in their life because because they were so busy. You know, the Bible school I went to was a night school. And so during the week, I worked 40 to 50 hours a week and as a plumber, you know, had to go to school at night. Saturdays, we had to have outreach ministry. You know, next Sunday is uh, the time changes. And uh, you know we had we had church on Sunday, and you know sometimes y'all think I get a little bit long, uh, but uh, we uh, had the time change down there, and and we turned our clock the wrong direction, and so instead of getting to church an hour late, we got to church two hours late, and we were still there for 45 minutes of the message, you know. So that, that's a that's a long service, folks. You know but but busy and I think that's what is attacking so many families today that we can get so busy but you know what we don't want to be just busy about the stuff of you know religious stuff we, we've got to be careful that we don't get so busy we don't have time for God well I make it to church but do you have time for God well I'm in church yeah, but do you have time for God? And you know, because each and every one of us, we've got to have time to ourselves where we're with God, where we can, we can hear from Him, where we can fellowship with Him. And one of the things, what, reasons why that is so important is the title of the message, being in the right place at the right time. If we don't hear from God, we're not going to be in the right place at the right time. We're going to be where we think we ought to be. And we can get in a lot of trouble doing that. And so we need to uh, give Him our whole heart. And that's why, that's why the Word of God is so important in this day that we're in. You know, people all the time say, you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit and, and, you know, the manifestations of tongues and the other manifestations of the Holy Spirit, they're not as important today as they once were. I'll I bear to argue with you. They're probably more important in this day than they ever have been, because, not that they weren't important in the past, but let me tell you something, they're important in the day that we live in because there are so many voices out there trying to draw your attention that if you're not listening to the Spirit of God, I mean, even look at the church. The church is coming from all sides. You've gotta hear from God for yourself. You've gotta know the voice of God. Because if you don't know the voice of God, you're gonna have to depend on somebody else to lead you and guide you. Thank God the Holy Spirit is there, but you've gotta know His voice. I hope I have a voice in your life. I'm your pastor. But you know what? I better not be the ultimate voice in your life. It better be God. It better be the Holy Spirit. He's the one that we need to hear from. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Ecclesiastes. Now, of course, that's one of those books that your Bible just doesn't automatically fall open to. But I wanna look at the ninth chapter and the 11th verse. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skills, but time and chance happen to them all. So there's a, there's a time where we need to put our, our our trust, our, our confidence in Him. The Hebrew here translation of happen is encounter or to meet. We need to encounter. We need to meet up with God. We need to hear His voice. We need to hear His directions. It also means right happenings or chance to be present. We need to seek after him. We need to allow him to guide us in our life. Isn't it interesting that things don't happen just simply by chance? We need to be in the right place at the right time. You know, I know you all know that I care a little bit about certain aspects of Minnesota. But you know, some 40 years ago, my sister-in-law, by chance, saw an article for a plumber in the Des Moines Register. And so by chance, there was a job opening at Shriver Construction. And so leaving Minnesota, we came to Iowa, to Jefferson, to Jeff. who had ever heard of Jefferson, Iowa? We came to Jefferson, Iowa, and by chance, by chance, there was a move of the Holy Ghost. And by chance, we ended up at Trinity. And by chance, at the Jules household, they had a young couples group. And so by chance, we met some people. And by chance, we went to one of these couples' house and they started to talk about the Holy Spirit and asked if we had ever heard of it. And, you know, me knowing everything, sure I did. And then they started talking about God like he is real started to talk about Jesus. Like you could have a relationship with him. And all of a sudden, I began to understand something other than religion. I began to understand a relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you something. That wasn't by chance. That was an appointment. And we ended up being in the right place at the right time to receive what he had for us. And we didn't even know how to, you know, my wife did to some degree, but we didn't really know how to hear from God, but we heard from God and our life was changed. Let me tell you something, your life can be a mess, but one encounter with God, with Jesus, can change everything. You're going to have a brand new start, that which looked absolutely impossible, hopeless. All at once, you have hope in your life because of Jesus, because of what he wants to work in and through you. Turning your Bibles to Psalms 37. Psalms 37, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, the 23rd verse. It says, The steps of a good man. Let me tell you something. Thank God for mercy. Because I wasn't a good man. I was a practicing heathen and getting better at it all the time. But he says, the steps of a good man are directed and established of the Lord. And he delights in his way. And he busies himself with his every step. You know, God's busy looking out for you. God's busy directing your steps. God's busy showing you the direction that you can go to experience victory and life and wholeness in every area of your life. But you know what? We've gotta follow him. You see, I wasn't good, but I am good. Not because of me, but because of a good savior. And you sitting here today, you're good. You look at your life and you say, well, ain't that good? But you're good not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you. And so he's directing our life. He's directing our steps if we'll give him an opportunity to do so. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes again. And let's look at the third chapter. We're going to begin in the first verse. This, this is one of those passages, everybody, when you're reading through your Bible, you just kind of go, oh, here we go, and you just kind of rush through it really quickly, but it's, there's some very important things here. To everything, there is a season. Let me tell you, folks, to everything, there is a season. This is your season. Do you realize that when... When God created the world, everything had a time. He created everything in order. It wasn't just all of a sudden everything just kind of showed up. There was an order. Every day, God had a plan of what was going to be accomplished that day. And do you realize that when you and I, when man was placed in the earth, it was at at the exact time that it it needed to be done. It was supposed to be done. It was God's plan. There's seasons in our life, and we may not like it, but we were born for such a time as this. We weren't born 100 years ago, 200 years ago. We weren't born 100 years in the future. We were born for this time, for such a time as this, And we look around us and sometimes we think, you know what, I I don't know if I can handle this. Yes, you can. Because you were born for this time. Because God created you and me so that we can handle everything that's going on in the world right now. We were created. (coughs) Here I come, no I'm not. We, we were created for such a time as this. Amen. I'm not done yet. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Got a few verses to read yet. <clears throat> so, to everyone, there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck what was planted A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from the embrace. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time... to tear and and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What's this saying? There's a time for everything under heaven. There's a time, and it's your time, it's my time, to experience everything that God has made available to us. It's time to stop holding back. It's time to stop the negative to confession. It's the time to stop saying, I can't, because it's a time you can. It's a time that we see the fullness of God manifested in our midst. It's a time for us to reach out and see Jesus touch lives of individuals that have absolutely no hope. It's the time. It's a time for us to believe that God will do exactly what he said he would do. Well, pastor, we've been hearing this for years. Well, it's time then. It's time that we just, we don't, we stop just hearing it. It's time that we believe it. You see, I'm naive enough to believe that what God says in his word, he means every word of it. When he says that we can overcome, we can overcome. When he says that we can influence our community, we can influence our community. When he says that we can have the abundant victorious life, we can have the abundant victorious time life. But it's up to us to believe what he says and not just simply pass over it and say, well, those were things that happened back then or those are things that are going to happen in the future. Today. Everybody say today. Today Today is the day of salvation. Well, Pastor Dave, I've heard your story. You were saved some 40 years ago. No, today is still my day of salvation because sozo is an all-inclusive term. It includes healing, it includes prosperity, it includes deliverance. It touches every single area of our life. And that's what today is for you and me. Where you felt hopeless, you don't have to feel hopeless anymore. In First Peter verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 6, It says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does it mean to humble yourself to somebody? You you humble yourself by lowering yourself. In other words, God knows better than you and me. God's greater than you and me. So he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due season, in due time. There's a time where he's going to exalt us. There's some of you, you're in positions that you would have never dreamed of being in. I mean, there's people around you, they, they look and they, they, they see where you are today and their jaw drops. But it's not because you're so wonderful. It's because he is. Because he's exalted you. He's taken you to a place. And so what it says is that you've humbled yourself. You've been willing to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Use me however you choose to use me. But when we humble ourselves, We raise him up, we exalt him, we lower ourselves and we say, Father, you're in in charge. So one of the things that we see is humbling ourselves is a key to him being able to show favor in our lives. Because until we humble ourselves, we'll continue to think we can do it. And as long as we think we can do it, you will say, there you are. Do it. But we humble ourselves. To have a divine encounter, I want a divine encounter. I don't want to just have a surfacey thing. I want to have a divine encounter. We must avoid pride and listen to what the Spirit is telling us. You see, that's why we've got to have some of those times where we're, we're quiet before the Lord, where we, where we hear His voice, where we can hear what He's telling us. Because otherwise, we're just simply going to try to do it in our own strength, in our own ability. We're going to use our own wisdom. Look where our own wisdom got us. We need to trust Him. In Psalms or excuse me, Proverbs 16. Verses 5 and 6, it says, Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. In mercy and truth, Atonement is provided for iniquity and the fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. You know, in our wisdom, what we do is we try to depart from evil. In our wisdom we try to depart from evil. And that's why, oftentimes, what religiosity does, it gives us a bunch of rules, it gives us a bunch of regulations to follow, that if we fulfill these requirements, then we can, you know, we're overcoming evil. But see, evil's of the heart. It's on the inside. And what God wants to do, is He wants to change the inside. Because once He changes the inside, our actions begin to change. What we see begins to change. It's not according to rules and regulations, it's according to the heart. That's why the scripture says that we've been given a new law, and the new law has been written in our heart. You see, if I know the love of God, I don't don't do the things that are contrary to his will and to his purpose in my life. But if I don't know him, I don't know his love. I may know about him, but I don't know his love. You know, Saturday, Pastor Becky and I, we celebrated our anniversary. You know, those was 40 years ago when I first met her, I thought, well, I love this woman Then it turned to be very careful. Be very careful. <laughs> do something with this woman. <laughs> then I found Jesus. And I said, Lord, do something with me. Because... We don't know how to love. We're a mess without Jesus in our life. We look at the Middle East, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded, and I think, how do people do that to one another? Because they don't have the love of God. They talk about God. But talking about God won't change you. I talked about God for 24 years of my life but it didn't change me because I didn't know him. But when you know God, he begins to change you. Something happens on the inside of you. Your want to changes. The things that you once did, you don't do anymore. Not because you can't, but because you don't want to. Why? Because of the love of God that has been shed abroad in your heart. It's because you love God and because you love people. And because you love people, you want them to spend all of eternity with you. And in order for them to spend all of eternity with you, they've got to know Jesus as you do. And so you don't want to do anything to cause them to stumble, to think what's in your life isn't real, because it's so real. And so here we it's talking about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about, you know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not walking around terrified of God. It's being in awe of Him. Recognizing how great, how marvelous, how, how wonderful He really is. But we've not lost track of being in the right place at the right time because that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be in the right place at the right time so that we can receive the fullness of what he's made available to us. I believe that when Pastor Becky and I moved to Jefferson, Iowa with our children, it was an appointment with the Holy Ghost because our lives changed as a result of that. And every one of us, Oftentimes we've missed the appointment because we've had other things going on that we considered to be more important. But thank God, He doesn't ever give up on us. We may have missed the appointment, but He always reschedules. He's got another time where we can come into His presence and experience the fullness. I used to preach that God, if you missed it, if you missed plan A, God had a plan B for you. Hallelujah. Sounded so spiritual. But then I read my Bible. I found out something. God doesn't have a plan B for you. He's got a plan A for you. And if you don't get to plan A on one plan, he'll plan another plan to get you plan A. Because that's his plan and purpose for you. I rebelled for all those years. I was called of God as a child. And I rebelled for those years. But he had another plan to get me to where I needed to be. He's got a plan for you. He's not giving up on you. You know, in the Gospel of John, it talks about how Jesus encountered this woman. And we oftentimes read through there and we think, what a lucky break for that woman that Jesus just happened to show up. Jesus had an appointment with that woman. She didn't know it, but he had an appointment because he sent everybody else into town and he stayed there. Stayed at the well, the woman at the well. She comes along and Jesus says, "Uh, Would you get me a glass of water? Or a cup of water, whatever it was, bucket of water. And she says, Well, you don't have anything to draw. And she says, Well, He says something like, well, if you knew who was speaking to you, you'd never have to thirst again. You'd never have to come to the well again. And she says, oh, give me some of that, because I don't want to have to come to this well again. And remember when Jesus said, bring your husband, and she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, you, you said rightly you don't have a husband before you've had, what was it, seven, five? Thank you. Just testing you. Five husbands, the one you're living with isn't even your husband. And she says, well, I, I, I sense that it's a prophet. But, but notice when he said, if you drink from this water, you'll never have to come back to the well again. She says, I want of that, so I don't have to come back to the well. See, this is what I believe about this. You know how people talk about everybody? That's, a new, not, that's not a new thing been around for centuries from the very get-go. And see, she was the talk of the town. I'm sure most of the women said, you know, make sure you keep your wife away from her, your husband away from her, because she's bad news. Well, why do you think that, Pastor? Because she was the only one that came to the well. Well, she came to the well in the heat of the day when everybody else has already got their water because she didn't want to run into anybody. Because she didn't want to have to deal with the stairs. She didn't want to have to deal with everybody talking under their breath about her. And so what did she do? She, she avoided everybody. Let me tell you something. She did not have the abundant life. She didn't have the abundant life because everybody looked down on her and everybody talked about her. There was nobody there that reached out a hand Of course, it was before the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. There wasn't really a whole lot of hope for her outside of that. And so Jesus introduced himself to her. And she recognized him for who he was, and she went back to town, and she told everybody about it, and they came out. Here's this woman that everybody looked down on, everybody despised, but because of something happening in her life, for the first time, She had a voice with people that she had never had a voice with before because she had encountered Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can read that all for yourself. It's in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter. I don't believe, I, I believe that was an appointment. There's a time, there's a season. Her life was miserable, but Jesus entered in. What if she decided not to go to the well that day? She would have missed Jesus. What if Jesus had just said, well, you know, I think I'm going to go to town with you guys today. No, he stayed there because there was a purpose behind it. Let me tell you something. Your coincidences, your accidents, oftentimes are inspired by the Holy Spirit because he wants to produce something in your life, he wants to change something in your life, he wants to exalt you in your life, he wants to take you to a place where you have a voice in the lives of individuals that you've never had a voice in their life before. There's a time, there's a season for everything. You ought to wake up every morning and say, this is a day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and I'll be glad in it because he has an assignment for me today. This is a new season in my life and God's got something good for me today. Thank you for that enthusiasm. I don't know how you can contain yourselves. God has good for you. But, but that's how he operates in everything in life. Jesus told the disciples when he was about to ascend on high, he said, go to Jerusalem and you stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Let's, let's turn over there to Acts, the first chapter. Oftentimes, we just look at these things and we think, well, that was cool that that happened. No, that that was there was a purpose for it. And things that you've encountered in your life. There's there's a purpose for it. It's to take you to another place. It's to take you to another level. The scripture says we're to go, we're to grow from glory to glory to glory. But you know what? For us to go from one level of glory to another level of glory, something has to occur. In our life, and that something that occurs that in our life is going to be a result of an encounter that's been assigned by God. And so he says in the fourth verse of Acts one, "And being assembled together with them, He commanded them. Now, this is important. He's telling his disciples, this is really important. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of God, which he said, you have heard from me. And then we drop down to the eighth verse, and he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall receive power. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Excuse me for a second. So he says, this is why you're going to Jerusalem. Listen, listen, listen to me. The places that you end up in, there's a purpose for it. There's something for you There. Many of you, you, you've been in a position and maybe it's where you've worked, uh, where you felt impressed to go. You go there and you leave and you think, what was that all about? And you may not ever hear about it, but you touched the life of somebody. You made the difference in somebody's life. I remember hearing a story years back about an evangelist. He'd gone to some West Texas church to preach or something or other. And he preached there and had a week of meetings and left those meetings and thought, what a waste. Absolutely nothing happened. But then years later, he heard that in in one of those meetings, if I remember the account right, There was a young man that got saved in those meetings. His name was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, in the early part of the century, was one of the great evangelists. You see, we don't ever know the lives that we're impacting. We don't know the lives that we're touching, how somebody's life could be impacted, changed as a result of us being in that place. In Acts 2, beginning in the first verse, and this is where everything took place. What if they had just said, you know, it's really boring here in Jerusalem? There's absolutely nothing going on. You know, let's go find something to do. And so they're not in the upper room. They're not. They're not there. They decided that they were going to do their own thing rather than be where God assigned them to be. But notice what it says in the second chapter in the first verse. And when the day, see, there was a day. Listen to me, there's a day. There's there's things that happen in our life all the time. But there are those days. There's that day in the basement of Vern Lewis's house. There's that day in that special meeting at that little Assemblies of God's Church down in Ankeny, Iowa. There's that day when I was sitting in our bedroom down in Hillsboro, Missouri. And the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart. There are those days. We don't want to miss those days. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that we can be in that place at that time where God wants to speak to our lives or he wants to release something into our lives. It's important the time, the day. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were with one accord in one place. They weren't in numerous places. Well, you know, I believe God will meet you wherever. Well, he will, but there are those days where you need to be where you need to be because God has a vessel to speak to you. And suddenly, You see, you just can't take your time and get there whenever you want to. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And we know the whole town, the whole city of Jerusalem was turned upside down. And here's this guy by the name of Peter who just a few short days before that was so fearful that he denied who Jesus was. And now he stands up in front of this crowd and he preaches and 3,000 are saved. That's how quickly an encounter with God, with the Holy Ghost... Can change your life. And so we need to be where He wants us to be. See, God is rich in mercy. And He loves us with a great, wonderful, intense love. And what He has for each and every one of us is for each one of us, for our good, for our benefit. But the thing about it, it isn't just for our benefit, it's so that it can benefit others. But we've gotta be a blessing, or let me rephrase that. We've gotta be blessed before we can be a blessing. And the blessing comes through him. It's through his hands as we fellowship with him. One last passage before we close. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Excuse me, in the second chapter. Ephesians, the second chapter in the fourth verse. But God. I can hardly get past the but God and want to shout a little bit. See, it's, we mess up, we fall short, we're insufficient, but God, Amen. who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even... You know, this, this, this is the part that absolutely blows me away. We sang about it this morning in one of our songs. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace we've been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit, sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we, each and every one of us, for we are his workmanship, created, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, I, pre- I believe in predestination. I don't believe in predestination from the, stand- from the standpoint that some are predestined to be saved and some are predestined to be damned. But I believe believe in predestination. I believe that every man, woman, and child that has ever lived, that lives, that ever will live, has been predestined to walk in the fullness of what Jesus has made available to them. You look at your life and you say, well, it just doesn't seem like I'm very blessed. That is not which you've been predestined to be. You've been predestined to be victorious. You've been predestined to be rich. By rich, I mean physically, emotionally, spiritually. In every area of your life, you've been called, you've been predestined to have success. And we find it in Jesus. And you say, well, I screwed up. Haven't we all? You know what? If you've screwed up, you know what that means? You're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, there's still hope. But it's not in you, it's in Jesus. He's the way, He's the hope, He's the life, He's the fullness. He's our all in all. Jesus didn't judge her. Jesus showed mercy to the woman at the well. Jesus shows us mercy. When the woman was caught in adultery, And they drug her before Jesus and they threw her down. And they said, What do the law say? They all just waited. And they waited. And they waited. They're waiting on Jesus. So many of us, we've been under the law. And And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. We're waiting on Jesus. And finally the woman stands up and Jesus says, where's your accusers? And she says, they've all left. And Jesus says, I don't accuse you either. Then he says, go and sin no more. Before Jesus said, go and sin no more, he gave her the way out. The way out was through him. How do we go and sin no more? It isn't in our ability. It isn't in our strength. It's because of Jesus. And just as the woman at the well, just as the woman caught in adultery and they had an encounter with Jesus and their lives were totally changed, so it is for you and I that when we encounter Jesus, I'm not talking about just hearing about Jesus, hearing a story. I'm talking about encountering Jesus. Our lives are changed forever. Not because of my willpower, not because of my strength, but because of his mercy that is poured out upon us. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? I pray this morning, that you've encountered the words of Jesus. And the words of Jesus have given you hope. That because of Jesus and because of his words, you know that you can rise above every difficulty, every situation in your life. And I pray that the words that have spoken to you today have encouraged you that you might find that time to sit down and say, oh, Holy Spirit, I need a Pentecost. I need to hear from you. And you know what? He'll speak to you. He'll direct you. He'll show you. Hallelujah. I don't know how to end this. Sometimes when it looks like I don't know what I'm doing, it's because I don't know what I'm doing. Go, sin no more. Because of Jesus, because of his life, because of his love, because of his mercy, because of his graces, that are yours and walk in the fullness of it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen! Give somebody a hug and say, you've got it!